Welcome to today's episode of the Doing Good Podcast. Today we're talking with John about his passion for volunteering. He also outlines for us his three-point approach to life, which involves him surrounding himself with older and younger people, as well as his peers. Of course, he lives this out through his volunteering. Listen in as we learn from this self-proclaimed rule follower who wears bow ties and serves as an assistant scoutmaster, a volunteer for others who speak another language, and an elections volunteer for Music City USA. Thank you, John, for joining us today on the Doing Good Podcast. We're excited that you're here, and fill us in just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you're here today. Again, John Richardson, born and raised here in Nashville, Tennessee. My passion for life is connecting with people and making new friends. And I love the opportunity to uh, have a a head-level conversation, but also a heart-level conversation with someone in the hopes that perhaps maybe I can connect them to uh, the person that they need to meet. That they need to meet, you said? What do you mean by that? Well, I believe people crave authenticity. I believe people crave uh, to be known. And we all want to do life with others that we that we trust and like. And oftentimes folks just, they have something of a problem or a situation they need to be solved. And I enjoy connecting folks uh, that have a need with those folks who have the ability to solve that that need that they may have. And so that's the reason I'm here today is, is I enjoy volunteering because I have the ability to be a connector and to, to uh, have fun doing life with other people who are also motivated by connecting others and, and, and have fun. Well, that sounds marvelous. So how do you volunteer or how have you volunteered in this connecting role? I wear a lot of hats and because again, life is way too short to be dull and boring. So I enjoy making new friends. So uh, one of the hats I wear is actually as a scout leader here in the Nashville area with the Middle Tennessee Council Boy Scouts of America. I currently serve as an assistant scoutmaster, though I've worn many hats in my scouting career, which has been well over 10 years. What on earth has kept you there for 10 years? That is a long time for a lot of people. And some people think of volunteering as just a thing that takes two hours. Well, you know, that's the the biggest joke, I guess, that they tell you when you join scouting is it's, it's just an hour a week. That's it, right? And you realize quickly that now anything that you're going to do, you should do it well and be committed. And if you're going to give your heart, give your whole heart. And if you're going to be in, be all in. And so but the reason why I give my, my wife, Kelly and I, we don't have kiddos of our own. Try like crazy to have them, but just wasn't in the plan. And that's okay. And for me, the troop I volunteer with is the exact same Boy Scout troop that I got my Eagle Scout from back in the day, back in the late 90s. And it's exciting to go back. And even though the people are totally different, uh, but it's like when you go back and you visit your old elementary school, the the smells, uh, the location, you know, it has that same kind of uh, just experience you're familiar with. And so, but for me, it's, it's ability to give back to an organization and give back to a, a cause that I care about greatly and to train up the next generation of leaders. For me, that's exciting. And so that's why I go back and I continue to serve. That does, that sounds ideal, really. And when you say that you're helping train up, uh, I'll say another generation of leaders, what do you mean by that? What do you, 
what does that mean? I'll say conceptually as well as specifically. Sure. Um, so I believe that we are, as people, we're a lot more alike than we realize. And I think by more time we spend together doing life together, the more we come to realize that we're a lot more alike. Scouting to me is a safe place where young people, because it's both uh, young men and young women, are able to connect with careers of their choice and to meet adults and to learn about what would it be like to be in this career or to have this experience at a young age where if they make mistakes, you know, it's no big deal. It's a safe place to fail and to learn and grow uh, and to, to develop those, I guess, those leadership skills and muscles, so to speak, so that when it's time for them to be an adult where, where they, their decisions really matter, they've already had a chance to experience those, uh, those, learn those life lessons at an earlier age when the cost isn't as high. And so for me, that's, uh, that's why I like training these guys up and being with them. And, and, and also I get to be a kid all over again. And so for a, for a guy in his, his mid forties, it's fun to act like I'm in my, my mid teens. <laughs> but do you also choose to volunteer for other places? I do actually. Um, so I don't know. And, and by the way, one last thing on my, my scanning experience, it all started when I was a kid. Uh, being raised in the national area, my folks didn't come from money. And so oftentimes the clothing I wore came from consignment stores. And one of the articles of clothing that my mom bought for me at a young age, I think I was probably all four or five years old. And, and you know, when you're at that age, uh, at your, if you're a little boy, you're like a superhero and everything becomes a, like a towel becomes a cape. And if you're a little girl, then you're like a little princess, you know, and everything is like you want to have a tea party. And for me, it was a neckerchief, a yellow Cub Scout neckerchief that my mom purchased for me at a consignment store. And I remember looking at her and told, and I told her, I want to be a Boy Scout when I grow up. True story. And so I wore that thing everywhere, all over the, all over town. And of course, when you're at that age, you can get away with it. As an adult, I have an excuse now because I'm actually you know, that's part of my class A Boy Scout uniform is to wear the neckerchief. Uh, but that was my passion early. Later on, I joined Cub Scouts, worked my way through Cub Scouting, you know, and then transitioned over into Boy Scouting. And which is Cub Scouting is for elementary school age kids. Boy Scouting is for middle school and high school age kids. And there's a focus from parents leading you to you leading yourself is what Boy Scouting is. It's more youth led at that point. And so that's my uh, my scouting story. And so it's been, I think, as a youth, easy 10 years and then add another 10 years as an adult. So well over 20 years in scouting. And I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. It means the world to me. And there's to live by the scout oath and law. I mean, how many people, you know, would would you want if you were an employer, hire somebody who's trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, irreverent. And those are all great, you know, virtues and, and principles that we should all have. So uh, enough about my time in scouting, but I just wanted to share with it. Could you also share a story with us about a time as a volunteer when you and the person you were serving were real and vulnerable, like you were saying, um, within the Boy Scouts and how that okay. touched you? For those folks who are listening or watching this podcast, who are involved in the Boy Scouts, there is a place, this side of heaven that is just shy of heaven. It's called Philmont. It is a scout reservation in Cimarron, New Mexico. And you know, if you've been to Philmont, you know what I'm talking about. 
you're probably nodding your head and saying, yeah, that place is, is amazing. So uh, Megan, I had the opportunity to go to Philmont this, this summer and uh, spend, goodness, uh, 12 days. I think it was what the out in the field, backpacking 40, 50 pounds on my back, uh, living off whatever's on my back. We, uh, the shortest day hiking wise, I think was about eight miles or longest was 17. Uh, yes, that was by choice because we didn't have water at the campsite. We're supposed to spend the night at. And so we had to press on and, and basically hike two days worth of hiking in one, which was, uh, at the time seemed wise, but in hindsight, maybe it probably wasn't as, as wise as we thought because the next day we were, we were beat, uh, we were drained. So true story. Uh, after that 17 mile day, one of my scouts. I won't use his name, um, but love this guy. He's just uh, makes good choices most of the time, but occasionally he makes poor choices. Um, but one thing he has is a timid heart and he is not bold yet. He will be one of these days, but right now he's still timid and he's still, in a sense, timid. I mean, he's not brave. He has self-limiting doubts about uh, what he can do. And so there is a mountain at Philmont called uh, Mount Baldy. Baldy Mountain is, I don't know, maybe 16,000 feet up in the air. And to put that in perspective, I'm here in Nashville. We're at five, 600 feet above sea level. So you get up to, you know, 16,000 feet above sea level, air is a lot thinner. People get nosebleeds. It's just a little bit different. You know, there's a, your body takes time to adjust. But nonetheless, we're on day nine. We get to that place where we have to summit. We have to climb up this mountain. And my scout, He's like, Mr. John, I just don't, I don't feel it. Now I, I gave him a pass that moment. Cause I, we all wanted to go and climb it because we were super pumped and we had a schedule to keep to, and you don't break schedule. You keep the schedule. That's one of the rules. You stay together as a group and you keep the schedule. Um, but I was listening and I knew that we'd hiked 17 miles the previous day. And I brought the other adult leaders. The four of us got together. We had a little powwow and talked about it and decided, uh, we'll let this scout make the choice. If he chooses in scouting, we have a thing called choosing the challenge. If he chooses to make that decision and challenge himself that day, we're going to, we're going to climb this mountain and it's going to be one of those life-changing experiences. If he, if he makes that choice not to, that's okay too. We told him that he went away, came back and he's like, I'm choosing not to challenge, which was not in my mind at that time, not the right answer. I wanted him to, to man up, so to speak, and to, and to push himself past that belief barrier. But that was like, you know what? We have a principle in scouting. It's choose a challenge. So I'm going to be like, you know what? I hear what you're saying, and you're right. We're going to take a pass today. However, in life, there's moments where you have to push past the fear because once you do, you realize it's that fear was just it wasn't real. It was, as they say, I think it was Zig Ziglar once said, "Fear is false evidence appearing to be real." So it, once he passed, pushed past that, then he was fine. So the next day, when it was time to climb that mountain, because we went back up the switchbacks, got to that same place, and he was, you know, pumping the brakes because he was ready to, to chicken out a second day. And I was like, nope. We're going to press on. And we did. He, he climbed that mountain. This scout now owns a ball cap, a baseball cap with a uh, Baldy mountain on it and the altitude. And he wears that cap like a, uh, a badge of, of honor because in his mind, he did something that he thought wasn't possible. Now, was he scared at the top? Absolutely. Were the rest of us a little scared because we're way up there? Absolutely. Because <laughs> it was in, it was intense. But when you climb those, uh, those you have those mountaintop experiences in life and you look back and you have other mountains you got to climb, you're like, if I can do Mount Baldy, I can do this. And so that would be a, an experience where working with my, with my scout, helping him conquer that fear, helping him have one of those mountaintop experiences, uh, 
and realize that it's okay not to be okay in that moment. And, and it was hard because the other scouts were not happy when he said, I don't want to climb this mountain. They were all upset, but I, I was able to put things in perspective and say, guys, it's one of those core principles you choose to challenge. And, and we're not going to force a scout to do something he's not comfortable with. The next day we didn't force him. We just, we just, uh, progressed up the mountain and, um, and we were, we used assumptive, like work, we're, we're getting to the top, you guys coming with us. And they didn't have a chance. They were like, wait a second. I, yeah, I guess I'm going. And then when they got up there, they were, they realized that it was, it was okay. So it was, uh, they, in, in, they may have grumbled on their way up, but on their way down, they're high-fiving each other. Like, man, that was amazing. You know, it's uh so. We all want experiences like that in life. And I love that you found those experiences, not just for yourself, but for others through volunteering. Yes. I think that's fantastic. From an early age, I knew that I wanted to, to be involved uh, with, in civics and be involved in, the, in, in making my community a better place. So, Starting as a child, did you volunteer in other ways? And then has that changed for you as an adult? Do you volunteer in different places as well? Sure. So um, my degree at the University of Tennessee was in political science with a minor in Spanish. So I've always had an interest in politics, always had an interest in civics and, and being involved in the community. And I probably get a lot of that from my time in scouting. I believe that folks should be good citizens. And most folks just don't know how to be a good citizen or, you know, they, they have a kind of a big picture idea, but have they ever been properly trained up? And so I think a person, once you turn 18, in fact, my scouts, part of the process, they know Mr. John's going to give them an application to vote. And I tell them like, look, I don't care who you vote for, pick a team, learn everything you can about that team. And if you decide to change teams later on in life, as far as who you're supporting politically, great. I don't care. Just vote. <laughs> be a part of the process, get involved in your community, know who your elected officials are. And so they get that. So I enjoy on, when it comes to politics, I enjoy on election day, leading a team of retirees, mostly. These are folks in their 60s and 70s uh, who are no longer working. And so I'm the officer of elections here in Nashville, the Davidson County Election Commission. I've done this for, oh goodness, 15, maybe almost 20 years now. And so we check driver's licenses, helping people go through the proper process to make sure that their vote counts and to make sure that all the rules are are followed. And as a, as a person who's a rule follower by nature, it make, it's, a, it's a great job, usually maybe twice, three times a year at most. And it's not every year because it has to be an election year, but what better way to get connected with people in the community and to get to know your neighbors because all the people that live around you, they come through to vote. And so again, coming back to that whole connection, I, I, I get to make, make new friends and, and also do my duty as a, uh, a, a citizen here in Nashville. So there you go. Can you explain a little bit on how it works? I'm aware of certain volunteer roles with the government, but that are paid, I'll say a small stipend. Is that how this is? Or is this, I'll say a hundred percent volunteer? Can you explain? Sure. So yes, you do get paid. When you do the math, you realize quickly it, it, you're, you're giving up, you give because you care about the cause, not because of the paycheck on the end of the day, because it, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time expended to, uh, to do it. But the process in order to, as a poll worker, and this is no long, this is not a sales pitch to become a poll worker, though I, I strongly encourage folks, if you have interest in this and you've got some downtime or you're self-employed, it's a lot of fun. But I enjoy doing it because I'm a registered voter in Nashville. 
Uh, I enjoy connecting with, with making new friends and meeting strangers and making new friends. I'm a rule follower. Uh, the, and that's it. And then I sign up, I go through training classes. They teach everything that I, I taught me everything I needed to learn. And then on election day, I work on a team with other people who've also been trained to make sure the rules are followed. And everybody, if you, if you voted, you, those people who sit on the other side of the table and you're wondering how did that happen? Uh, and how, that's how they, they signed up. I think the, the amount you get paid for a day is roughly hundred bucks, maybe 150. So it's, it's not bad. But again, when you do the math, our days start at, well, you're up at 4.35 in the morning. So you can be at the location at 6 a.m. And then polls open at 7 a.m. And then polls close at 7 p.m. Because it's 12 hours. And then you got easy an hour, about an hour and some change afterwards to clean up. And then you got to gather up all the materials and drive it back to the election commission. So again, day starts at 4.35 and doesn't end till 10, 10.30. So it makes for a long day. So if you do that, divide, you get the idea. It's You're not doing it for the money. You do it because you love making new friends and giving back in that capacity. If someone's interested in volunteering for any place, anywhere, I say call them up. But it's the government. And, you know, everybody listening to this might be in a different town or county or parish or you never know. So right. um, if someone's interested in this sort of service for their local, for his or her local government, who do they call? What department? Sure. So uh, wherever you live, go to your city's website. Here in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Nashville.gov. And then you're going to type one of those slash, I don't know if it's a forward or backslash, I'm not a computer guy, but you know what I'm talking about. And then for us, it's the word vote. And that will take you right to the Davidson County Election Commission. Now, if it's in your, more than likely your city's website, they're going to have a search box at the top and you're going to type in election commission or the word voter or vote. Any of those words in the search box should lead you to that webpage where you can kind of and there's always information about, are you a candidate? Are you a voter? Are you, do you want to be a poll worker? Click on poll worker. And then that should lead you into that direction. Yes, there is a background check. Yes, they do check your, to make sure you're a, you're a U.S. citizen, you're registered to vote where you're supposed to. So there's some, there's some paperwork and they got to show you know, proof of ID and all this and that. But once you've done it once, you're in the system and you're good to go. And it's totally voluntarily, voluntary participation, I should say. You... If you're busy one election, you don't have to work that election. You don't you can decide not to, then wait till the next one. But if you're like me and you it's issues your uh, your drug of choice, which is volunteering, <laughs> and you're hooked on it, then you serve every time there's an election because again, you get to make new friends every single time. It's kind of like a part family reunion, part, you know, um, you know, civic involvement. It's it's the best. I love it. Your drug of choice. I will remember <laughs> that. <laughs> so it seems to me like you've also built an interesting life for yourself. You've, you're married, you work full time, you do this Boy Scout thing on this side, you do the poll working thing whenever there's a potential of that going on. What maintains your passion for all you do and to juggle all you do and all, all the people as well in your life? Uh, because you do have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Good question. So. Let me rewind a bit and say, well, first I'll say this. I believe that each day is a gift that God's given me. I am not promised tomorrow. I have today. So wherever I am in that moment, I'm going to be all in. Because again, I may not be here tomorrow. So 
<laughs> whether it's with my scouting or, or volunteering with a election commission or serving with other nonprofits or, or working with clients or whatever I'm doing, or I'm at, you know, local grocery store, you know, shopping, I'm all in and trying to create as, as much of an experience as I possibly can and create some fun memories along the way. And so uh, I feel like I'm, I'm called to do that. It's part of my purpose, which is, is connecting with people. Uh, why? I guess every morning I wake up with this sense of uh, I, I live like every day is my last day is because uh, when I was in high school, fun story. Well, it wasn't a fun story, but it's a true story. I should say I broke my neck wrestling when I was in high school, my senior year, last match of my senior year, I was, uh, I was losing badly in this wrestling match. The guy I was wrestling against was like swollen. I mean, he had muscles on muscles and, but I wasn't going to quit. Cause that's just my nature. I'm a honey badger. Uh, you know, I just get, get something stuck in my head and I just, I'm pleasantly persistent until I win or, you know, win or lose doesn't matter. I'm going to, I'm going to give my best and do my best and give them all. So long story short, the guy was beating me in points and, uh, but I wasn't going to quit no matter what he in wrestling. There's a thing called a crab ride for those folks who were listening or watching this podcast. That's when you're on the other person's back and your arms are hooked under their arms and their legs are you're kind of hooked under your, and their legs. You look like a backpack to them. If you can envision that, well, the guy stood up vertically and I was on his back still. And that's, in wrestling, it's called potentially dangerous. They stop the match because <clears throat> for obvious reasons, you could person could slip off, hit their head and break their neck. And that's exactly what happened. He went to do like a stand up, did a forward roll. I slid off his back, the top of my head hit the mat. My face came into my chest. 